I think what it comes down to is you need to do what I call an assets audit. You need to understand what skills and what value that you have, but also having a clear understanding of what you think the marketing partner might value. Welcome to Top of Mind, a show where we speak with top marketers, creators, and leaders who are shaping the culture around us. I'm Stuart Hillhouse, and I believe that through great marketing, you can earn the privilege of occupying a tiny sliver of your customer's already overflowing brain. Join me today as we learn what it takes to become top of mind. One of the key parts of being top of mind in any industry is consistency. If you continue to show up, the right people will take notice. But this isn't something that can easily be accomplished in a weekend or even in a month. Effective marketing takes years of consistently showing up and delivering value. And if you're doing it all alone, it can become pretty overwhelming. So much to do, so little time. And this stops most people from pursuing what they really have ambitions to do and their business suffers. But what if you could get others to pay you to create your own marketing material? What if a sponsor could pay you to have your podcast editing outsourced? Would it be interesting to you if someone else is paying for the editor to actually have you sit down and write your book? My guest today has used marketing partnerships to fund her own projects, position her business, and get herself in front of her ideal clients, which in turn generates leads for her business. For the past two years, she's been teaching business owners and entrepreneurs how to identify and negotiate their very own marketing partnerships through her OutLoud Marketing Partnership Program. She's an award-winning speaker, author of two books, and regularly contributes to business media around the world. She's also the first repeat guest on Top of Mind. So without further ado, welcome me back with Katrina McCarter. Thanks so much for joining me, Katrina. Uh, thank you so much for having me back, Stuart. You know, I feel it's quite, it's quite an honor to be invited back a second time. So thank you very much. Well, I mean, it's just a testament to how much stuff you've been able to accomplish because you've been able to create partnerships to allow you to outsource your time and, and be effective in certain ways that without having to do it all yourself. Because I think most people early in their careers or, or new stage entrepreneurs, they want to do it all themselves. And that's just going to wear you out. So you have to find ways of bringing, bringing other people into the fold to help fill those gaps that you might have. Yeah, absolutely. It's all about working smart. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Work smarter, not harder. And I've been so looking forward to this conversation because it's, it's highly relevant to me. This podcast is fairly new as of this recording, and it's a lot of work. And I have no, no sponsorships and just full transparency. It's, it's something that I want to continue to do for a really long time, but it is a lot of work. So hopefully you can help me to understand a little bit what options are out there for people who are either podcasting or writing a book or looking to create and spend more of their effort towards that creative side and not on the technical side of maybe doing the nitty gritty that they don't enjoy. Yeah, there are fabulous opportunities for you with marketing partnerships. So why don't you first define what what marketing partnerships are? I've never really heard that term used too much. Sure. Look, and I think that that's a really, really good place to start, Stuart. I I define a marketing partnership is when two or more parties, so two or more businesses come together for mutually beneficial gains. 
So there are mutually um, beneficial outcomes to, to all parties involved in the marketing partnership. Sometimes you'll hear it referred to as collaborative marketing or collabs, or you might even hear about it being a JV as, as in a joint venture. Mm-hmm. But typically, or you might even hear people talk about sponsorship. But typically, I look to bring it all back to a marketing partnership. And that's that's typically what someone's really talking about. Okay. So in order for two parties to see mutual value, is that purely financial or can that be other things? Oh, it can be anything. The world is your oyster. It's what you pitch. So one of my mentors has always said, you get what you pitch for. So it's completely up for negotiation. And that's something that I really kind of sell at. It's quite a skill that I've got. I've got 20 years sales and marketing experience negotiating with one of the largest supermarket accounts in Australia. So that's actually where I first learned about marketing partnerships. Mm, can you give me some examples of what, what a marketing partnership looked like in the in the grocery world? Yeah, look, basically what I learned was by sitting down with my buyer, I would have this one buyer who um, I would work with from who represented the supermarket account. And we were, we just kind of opened our books in terms of how we were measured internally. So we shared that information with each other. And every kind of now and then my sales director would release a pot of money if he wasn't getting his overall national sales number. And that would go to the account that could deliver the best outcome. So what we worked out to Together was that we could secure those funds quickly and for our account if we knew what the parameters were of what we could do. Mm. So by my buyer sharing with me what his boundaries were, we came up with a list of things that we could pitch back to my business as soon as that money was released. And as a result, we were able to to secure all the additional promotional monies. Both the buyer and myself wildly exceeded our sales targets and we both went on to much larger um, roles. So so that's where I first got my foray into marketing partnerships and I went, hey, this is really interesting. So I then took it into my own business. So I then went off and launched my my first business back in 2011. And that was an online shopping website for mums. And I grew that to a community of 150,000 mums across Australia without ever spending more than $300 a month on, on marketing or advertising. And I did that purely through marketing partnerships. And I did that because I had to. I didn't have a big marketing budget available to me. I had to get smart. And what I worked out was, uh, for me, I could grow my database if I did joint competitions with different online mum communities that shared the same ideal customer as me but weren't in direct competition with me. And that's a really, really important point. You need to partner with businesses that that share the same audience as you, but are not in direct competition with you. So I was able to each month work with a different audience. So so do a different joint joint promotion. 
And that allowed me to significantly grow my database. So what ended up happening was in the last 18 months of, of owning that business, I didn't need to spend anything on my on marketing at all because I had this consistent flow of marketing partnerships that were delivering me uh, the emails and the, the growing of my database that I needed. So that was one way uh, that I've used marketing partnerships the other way I used it when I first launched that business, it was actually a group buying site. So I don't know if your uh, listeners remember Groupon and a number of the of the group buying platforms. So when I announced that I was going to launch a group buying site that was just for families, every single person I knew said, to, you know, shared a terrible experience that they had had on a, on a group buying site. So I knew that if I was going to needed to be successful, I'd have to position my business as a customer service oriented business. And I also knew I needed to do something to ensure that 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 mums would trust me because I was I was a nobody to every mum all over Australia at that stage. And so what I did was I formed a marketing partnership with the playgroup associations across Australia. Now these organizations have been around for decades and decades and they were really well trusted by mothers. So that enabled me to be, you know, to leverage against their trust. So mums felt comfortable buying from my website. So that was another way that I use marketing partnerships. And yeah. I've gone on and used them now to fund the book behind me, um, to uh, cover all my expenses for my first year of my podcast, uh, to distribute my books, to get in front of uh, ideal clients for lead generation. I use marketing partnerships all the time to accelerate my business growth. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to ask about the podcasting stuff, but I'm going to save it for a little bit more. I, I want to frame it a little bit more because it's just so fascinating that not you, why wouldn't you share the same audience as someone else? Like you, you both have defined who your ideal client is. You both have put the effort in to make sure that you're attracting the right person. And if you're not direct comp- competition, it just makes so much sense to share your lists so that you both have access to the same group of people that you've worked so hard to define. Yeah, so with the group competitions, what it was is that the a part of that entry into the competition was that they had to sign up for my database and mm-hmm. also the database of my partner. So that's and we both jointly promoted the competition. So that's how we we were able to grow our subscriber list. Is the promotion part is that a real big selling point for doing group doing partnerships like you if what if you have no list and you're and you're very early in your startup and you just don't have you can't contribute customers what what can you contribute at that point Ah, that's such a great question. So when I started my second business, so marketing to mums, I was basically in startup mode, but I was able to partner with a really big brand because I could offer different uh, different skills. And so I think what it comes down to is you need to do what I call an assets audit. You need to understand what skills and what value 
uh, that you have and what connections you might have. So your potential partner might see value in business introductions you could make. It might see value in um, a particular skill that you might have. So you could potentially train their organisation. It doesn't have to necessarily be, be linked to your book or something like that. So it's really having an understanding of what your assets are, what you've got to offer, but also having a, having a clear understanding of what you think the marketing partner might value. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's important. You need to do your homework is is what I would say. And by homework, you mean doing an audit of your own assets, but also looking at them and seeing where their gaps are and if you can can fill those? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The the key, to me, there are a number of principles that are really, really important in a successful um, marketing partnership. First, there needs to be mutuality. So there needs to be benefits for for all parties. So it's got to be mutually beneficial. The second one is that there has to be this equal exchange of value and and that's perceived value. So you need to make sure that all the things that what you're offering and what you're asking of them, which may not be money, it may be uh, distribution of your book, it might be business introductions, it might be a testimonial, whatever it is, is seen as equal. So it, that's that's the second thing. You need to need to have that. The other thing is I think that you need to do your research on the business ethics of the proposed partner. There are, I've actually, was this was one of my key learnings, was that I made the mistake early on in my career of partnering with a brand that didn't share the same business ethics and values as me. And at the end of our one of our joint competitions, they went out to their new list and just spammed them every single day with communications. And not only did it reflect badly on them, but it really reflected badly on me for my poor choice of of partner. So from, you know, since then, I've done lots and lots of work in terms of a background checks on my on prospective partners before I ever make an approach. And I guess the fourth thing is, and this is not a not a critical one, but it's something that I look for is I look to see if they've got experience with marketing partnerships before, because that's going to give me an indication as to how smoothly the negotiation might go. So if I can see that oh that there's you know they might have sponsored a conference or they're involved in collaborative marketing efforts, um, in co-promoting things. That gives me a little indication that they understand what a marketing partnership is. They understand the concept of mutuality and it's going to be an easier discussion. When you don't see those indicators and when they don't have experience, it doesn't mean that you can't partner with them. It just might mean that you're going to have to educate them and step them through the process a little more. Yeah, those are those are really good indicators. Aside from business ethics, are there any other areas where something could go wrong in a marketing marketing partnership? Like what what should you be looking for and where do people go wrong? Oh, great question. So without question, in terms of kind of the mistakes people people make and, and where, where they can trip up is not showing mutuality or an equal exchange of value are the biggest two mistakes that people make. I received a, a phone call only uh, a couple of days ago from a business colleague that I've known for years and they uh, felt that they had something of real value for, for my clients and wanted to have a discussion with me. What they actually presented to me was, in fact, they wanted me to promote their 
materials out to on my client list and there was absolutely nothing in it for me whatsoever except a whole lot of work and it, it clearly demonstrated to me they didn't understand the concept of mutuality and there was no equal exchange of value so that's kind of the, the big mistakes the other kind of things that I see is that a lot of business owners don't understand the value that they have or they don't understand their asset base well. So when I'm kind of coaching someone with marketing partnerships, I, I, well, I do an asset audit and it's, it's not just the obvious kind of assets. We really drill down into their team. Their team might have some kind of assets as well. So, so we really, really get clear on that. The other thing I always see is that, in fact, I've, I've had a, a client get really excited because they got approached by a really, really big brand to work with. And, you know, I had this conversation with them and and I said, you know, does this link back to your business objectives? Does this help you serve your business objectives? And they said, not really, but it's a really, really big brand and I really need to work with, with them. And the involvement, their involvement was really onerous. It was going to take up a significant amount of time. And I said, okay, so what you're presenting to me is, yes, a, a great opportunity to work with a big brand, but it's going to it's not going to serve your business objectives and it's it's also going to take a huge amount of resource and time away from you actually satisfying your business objectives. So what we actually did was scale back the marketing partnership to something very, very small so that they could get the benefit and leverage against working with an enormous brand, but it wasn't going to be onerous on their time or resources. So I guess my point here is you need to be really clear about your, what your business objectives are and making sure that your marketing partnerships actually serve your business objectives. The other thing that I see that people aren't clear on is, and it's quite a business fundamental, is that they're not 100% clear on who their ideal customer is. And so as a result, they can go out and chase marketing partnerships for an audience that is not actually their, their key audience. And what they're what they're honestly doing is wasting a whole lot of time and resource. So you need to have some business fundamentals set up to really to really execute marketing partnerships well. The other thing is, you know, I think I've said it already, they don't screen their partners well and they get tripped up down, down the line or they don't really focus in on building a relationship and as a result that marketing partnership might be a short-term thing as opposed to something that could have gone on for many, many years and could have been an ongoing marketing partnership relationship. So they're probably the, the key ones that I'd say where you could really get kind of tripped up. Right. And it's it's important to remember too that it is a negotiation. Like this is, like it, there's there are no rules. If the big brand wants a whole bunch from you, you can actually go back and say, well, why don't we do it this way? And if And if they don't bite, then you can you're just learning as you go and it probably wasn't meant to be like if they can't if you can't come to a mutual agreement then there's uh, kind of that mutuality that just isn't being addressed there oh it's probably more around the, they're not seeing an equal exchange of value mm -hmm. but one thing that i'd want to make really clear uh with your listeners Stuart, is that small brands can partner with big businesses there's a lot of big businesses big 
brands that actually specialize in the small business space and they really, really want to have perhaps those distribution channels or the opportunity to leverage against your standing within the small business community. Mm-hmm. So really, I think that it's it's so important important that we overcome kind of any kind of imposter syndrome you might have as an entrepreneur or a business owner and and have a go have a go that's awesome so in your program out loud you work with a lot of uh people in business who are kind of sharing their message either in the written form through books or speaking or podcasting or videos and so you you work with with a lot of people and there are costs associated with all of these forms of of distribution. So how might these kind of uh, businesses or, or personal brands successfully use marketing partnerships? Yeah, yeah, great question. So I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners. I tend to really resonate or attract a whole lot of people that are either existing or aspiring authors podcast and speakers. And I guess that's because they see some of the successful marketing partnerships that I that I drum up in that space. So do you want me to go through perhaps a couple of ways an aspiring or existing author, podcaster or speaker might use a marketing partnership? I would love to hear that. Yes, please. Okay. All right. Look, for me, um, never be deterred to create a new asset because you don't have the funds. There are certainly you could use, you could potentially explore marketing partnerships to get a book off the ground or to to launch a podcast. So certainly in terms of books, there are huge opportunities for people at every stage of writing that book. So, you know, when you're writing, you could have a marketing partnership where you could actually cover um, a case study of a marketing partner in exchange for something else. Um, you could fund your online, you could fund your book launch through a marketing partner. You could co-brand a bookmark. What else could you do? You could announce your, your book launch through a series of marketing partners which could also drive your your book sales. You know, there's, there's lots and lots of scope there. The other thing that you could do if you're a podcaster, I launched the Marketing to Mums podcast in December 2018. Like yourself, Stuart, one of the things that I was very acutely aware of was the amount of time and investment of resource that was required to run a successful podcast. So I looked for a marketing partner who was trying to connect with the same audience that I believed I would attract as my listeners. I was able to secure very high level guests for my show because there's no podcast in the world that deals with marketing to mothers. And that allowed me to go and negotiate a podcast sponsor or a marketing partner for the first 12 months of operation. So I was able to provide them with audio ads through each episode and also promote their business with every episode through the webpage. So there were certainly ways for podcasters uh, to definitely use marketing partnerships to even get their project off the ground. You don't have to wait until you're up and going is, is I guess, my message. You can pitch an idea. If I was a speaker, you could use marketing partnerships so many ways. You know, first and foremost, to get in, in front of your ideal customer would be 
the key where you can drive clients out of being up on stage. Um, you could also tie that in with a with a book signing if you were an author and a speaker, and you could also tie that in with uh, book sales. I was once approached for a free what they called a love job where they were asking me to speak for free, and I said, "Oh, look, I'm a professional speaker. I don't speak for free." but we ended up having a long discussion around how we could turn this into a marketing partnership. So they were very clear about what they needed. They didn't have the funds available to fund a speaker, but they were aware of what they could do. And on discussions, we found out that they had a conference sponsor who could cover, you know, buying hundreds and hundreds of my books. So we tied it in with a, you know, a book deal but we also tied it in with their training budget and I was signed to do a whole lot of training through the the organisation in the six months post the the speaking appearance. So there's lots of ways for you to negotiate marketing partnerships that are going to be beneficial for both of you. It's really about having that conversation and knowing what to ask for and having a clear understanding of what it is that you're trying to get done. Do you have any tips for putting together your your ask or your pitch like how how much or how little should you open with in this situation okay depends very much on the marketing partnership and it depends very much on your personal style certainly through my program i have got clients that are really well suited to video and they actually do video pitches and i've got others that are far better in terms of writ- in terms of written form so they will do a written proposal i have got some that just are really big people 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 and they and they will actually go and negotiate in person it depends so it depends on the personal style it depends on how high level the negotiation is of what they're trying to get done and also whether you know them or not I believe very much some of my best marketing partnerships have come from working with an organization where I've know nobody and I've gone in completely cold. If you put together a really good equal exchange of value and communicate that really, really well, you know, that can get you on a phone and then you talk someone through it and it goes straight to the negotiation of what you'll do and what they'll do at that stage. So that's what I love about a proposal. It can really accelerate the conversation because you've sent a proposal and clearly demonstrated you understand mutuality and an equal exchange of value. Mm. And then it's really just haggling out what they'll do and what you'll do. Who do you send your proposal to? Is that a marketing pitch that you're trying to get part of their budget or are you sending it to the sales team or to a leader? Help me understand where within a company does this fall for putting together marketing partnerships? Well, that's actually part of the research stage where you're doing some background research on on a prospective partner. You might go in, I've gone in at CEO level before, I've gone in at marketing director level before. Sometimes they might have a partnership a partnerships manager who you could discuss it with as well. That's really part of some of the background homework that I teach clients to do as part of my 11-step framework. Yeah, that's that's terrific. What what advice would you give to help people to build strong and and long-term partnerships so that you don't have to go shopping around for a new a new marketing par- partner every 6 months? Yeah, a great thing. I would definitely say uh deliver what you say you're going to do. 
you know, be really clear and very specific in in what your deliverables will be and make sure that you deliver against them. Check in on a regular basis. So get in contact, give them updates and express that you'd like this to be an ongoing partnership. So in the very beginning, it's all about negotiating when the review periods will be because you're checking in to see that it's whether any tweaks need to happen with the marketing partnership or are both are all parties happy would they like to see any changes and let's and then let's reset now for another 12 months or however long you want it to be so really it's about checking in keeping that relationship going demonstrating your value all the way along yeah yeah that makes sense so if someone's kind of new to their their brand and they're starting to build an audience, but they don't have numbers that are extraordinarily impressive, right? Like because we when I, when I typically think about podcast advertising uh, or sponsorship, it's because the the sponsor sees the opportunity to get in front of the fans of of a big name podcaster, and they've got they've just do podcast or ad reads all like for ten minutes, almost an episode. It can seem intimidating for for independent smaller podcasters because they they don't see the value in the small audience they have. Is there that's where you have to get creative with your your asset audit and making it very clear that it's not because of the numbers, it's because of the the true reach you have and and the relationship that I have or anyone else has with the listeners. I would probably uh, approach that quite differently, Stuart. So okay. if, yeah, yeah. if I was if I was in that situation, well, first up, I would I would tend to pitch for it before you launched. So if you've already launched, you've got fairly low numbers. The first marketing partnership that I would be seeking would would actually be some amplification partners, some distribution partners, who are actually out promoting uh, your your podcast so that you can increase your listenership to then in turn make you far more attractive if you're looking for a sponsor to pay you money uh, to run your marketing at your your podcast. So first up, look for the distribution partner, amplify, amplify, increase your readership, then you're going to be more attractive, then go to a sponsor. Uh, gotcha. So by started by by pitching it before you launch, you're 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 creating a really good relationship because they have vested interest in your success and and they and they want to make it a long term partnership. Absolutely. With my podcast sponsor for the first year, what we did is they were actually responsible for distributing my podcast as well as part of, as part of that to as part of that marketing partnership. At pitching an idea, some people are better off pitching an idea than they are then haggling over listenership numbers. Mm. So can you see it's a different kind of discussion that you're mm. having and a different negotiation that you're having with with a uh, prospective partner if you launch before as opposed to after. So, yeah, if, if you're launching after and you've got smaller numbers, you need to definitely work on working with brands to amplify and grow and grow your numbers as quickly as you can because what you want to show them is, some is A, you've got experience with marketing partners and these are ones that you're using to distribute and amplify the podcast because that's also attractive to, to the new marketing partner. Right. And... And that, and that you're having some success. So, be it by demonstrating the quality of the guests that you're also attracting as well, can be attractive to a potential sponsor or partner. Yes, that, yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. 
do you mind telling us a little bit more about your about your program and what other what other aspects that you cover in that in more depth? Yeah, absolutely. So I I started this business uh, a couple of years ago purely because I kept getting asked by uh, entrepreneurs and business owners, you know, how are you doing it? Can, can, can you do it for me? Can you do it for me? And so everyone wanted me to come in and just negotiate their, their marketing partnerships for them. I knew that the best gift that I could give them would actually not be to just go and secure them because I, I do that in, in my role anyway, but would be to actually teach them because then they've got a skill that they can use for the rest of their career, the rest of their business life, and and it can and I know the benefits of it. So, I created a six month course called Outloud Marketing Partnerships. I made it six months for a reason. I clearly knew that it takes a while to form a new habit. And it takes a while for people to really understand the true value of marketing partnerships and the huge opportunities it unleashes in their business. So to me, there's nothing more satisfying than when I'm working with a client and around the three or four month, they'll go, oh, I get it. And then they then their mind just starts going bananas and that because they just see so many opportunities all around them. And then it's a matter of getting them back to focus in on the ones that are gonna be the most productive uh, for their business. So that's 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 why it's a six month program. But I guess there are three elements to it. Each month we cover off uh, different sections of an eleven month of an eleven step framework that I use to do all my marketing partnerships. So each month we probably do about two or three steps in those in a monthly webinar. We then have individual one-on-one coaching sessions with me and that's really about getting clear on each of these steps and implementing them into your business. So a lot of the time that's reviewing pitches, it's uh, checking out partners, it's making sure that um, they're super clear on what assets, what things they've got to to offer, that they know their customer, etc. And then I help them through, I coach them through the negotiation with a partner. And the third element is that we've got a closed Facebook group and that's where existing outlouders, which is what I call my clients, they're all outlouders or they're part of the alumni, they've been through the program. It's a great place for them to pitch ideas brainstorm marketing partnership ideas. It's a really great place for creativity or they might have a bit of a of an obstacle or they might need an introduction to a particular brand that someone in the out loud community can help them with. So that that's a, a little bit about the program, but I've seen some great transformations. I've got one of one of my clients only last week has just secured the second print run of their book with a really nice big brand that's so closely aligned to their business. I've got another out louder who has has opened up a whole new income stream and has become an official podca- podcast media partner at conferences. So he's live podcasting uh, at conferences within his industry and he's been um, he's done that in Australia but he's also been offered gigs over, overseas as well. So you know he's used he's used marketing partnerships to open up a whole new income stream. I've got others that have used it to really significantly reduce their client acquisition costs. And yeah, so we use them in all different ways, but it's a great community and it's something that brings me a lot of joy seeing other people really learn and how to to nail their marketing partnerships. Yeah, really pleasing for me. Yeah, that sounds like a great group. Do you have any partnerships 
in the future that you've got up your sleeves right now that you can give us a little uh, insight in? Yeah, absolutely. I generally have about I'm I'm ca- I'm cautious about how many marketing partnerships I enter into at any time. I've got some ongoing marketing partnerships that are kind of in referral. So I cross-refer clients is one of them. I've got another one with a large community online community of mothers where I run all my research through. So I put out, you know, three big research projects a year. So I've got a marketing partnership with them. In exchange, I do some speaking at their events. I have got, oh, geez, there's there's quite a few. I've, I've started to do develop media partners where I'm like, working with a journalist and I can be their key source for all things related to a, to a specific topic and I can go off and do a couple of research questions that they might want to include in on an article which also amplifies my business. So I'm now looking at using, at using marketing partnerships to grow my profile through media. So there are just a couple that are that are at play at the moment, but I actually manage all my marketing partnerships on a Trello board. So I ensure I don't forget to do any of my obligations. I clearly write up all my obligations and the timing against those obligations. And that's something that I'm regularly going through and checking because in order for me to continue to attract great part marketing partnerships, I need to make sure that I'm delivering on what on what I commit to doing. Yeah, that's the key part. That's the key point there is is the equal amount of value on both sides. So you can't forget to do the thing that you promised. Yeah. And by being specific in terms of your negotiations, when someone doesn't do, you know, the Facebook post that they were going to do in the on this particular day, it allows the other partner to jump on the phone and say, Hey, I just noticed you were meant to do the Facebook post yesterday. It hasn't happened. Can you tell me when you can get it done? rather than having that ill feeling over when are they going to do it. So being specific in your negotiations is very important as well. Yeah, I've, I've heard someone say that it's not a, you're not making an agreement document, you're making a disagreement document. The document is the only thing that you two will agree on when you disagree on what's happening. So make sure that you have yeah, it very so, aligned at the beginning because that's the yeah. only pro- document that you're going to have an agreement on if things go sour. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, we talk a lot in our program in terms of different ways that you can put that into writing or, or formalize an agreement and at what stage you need to be thinking about getting a lawyer involved and, and when not to, etc. Yeah, but I think at the core of it is being very specific in terms of what you'll deliver and what they will deliver. Well, thank you so much, Katrina. When you start really thinking about your your assets as exactly that, their assets and how you can leverage them and share with others, it it really just starts to change your whole perspective that you don't need to do it alone. You can get help from others because the things you offer have inherent value to others as well. You just need to make those connections happen. Absolutely. You need to understand what those values are. And that and that's really what I see so many entrepreneurs and business owners don't see is their own value. So I help them see that. It's important. That is important. That's very important. Thanks so much, Katrina. Where uh, would you like people to reach out to you? Oh, look, we are 
going to kick off a new Out Loud Marketing Partnerships program in July. So if people were wanting to find out more information about that, I would recommend they go to www.katrinamakata.com forward slash out loud for some more information. Or please send me an email. I'm Katrina with a K at katrinamakata.com. Would love to uh, hear from you and also hear about what are the kind of marketing partnerships that you want to achieve over the next 12 months. Amazing. Uh, Thank you very much for having me, Stuart. If you enjoyed anything that you just heard, then you're going to absolutely love what I'm about to tell you. If you go online to topofmind.substack.com and put in your email, you can get access to exclusive behind-the-scenes content inspired by this show. So there's going to be candid audio recordings that aren't going to be available anywhere else, not on Spotify, not on Apple, nowhere else except on topofmind.substack.com. But that's not it. It's also a platform where I can share written content, videos, links, and anything else that I come across directly with you. You're going to get access to it right away. You're going to get access to the whole library of archived posts. And you're also going to be the first to be notified when a new episode of Top of Mind comes out. So head on over to topofmind.substack.com. See you there. If you enjoyed anything that you just heard you're going to absolutely love what I'm about to tell you. If you go online to stuarthillhouse.com and hit the subscribe button, you'll be added to an email list where I share exclusive content related to this show. This is where I'm going to share my key takeaways from each episode, including my highlights, top of mind takeaways, and next steps that you can do to put this advice to action. I also share some real-life breakdowns of marketing campaigns that I'm seeing around and how I'm using it in my work. So head on over to stuarthillhouse.com and hit the subscribe button to get your first email. Looking forward to seeing you there.